We'll talk about the spiritual warfare surrounding the Kavanaugh hearings and then an amazing interview with Dr. Hugh Ross. Stories of faith to edify you. It's time for The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown, your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Michael Brown is the director of the Coalition of Conscience and president of Fire School of Ministry. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks for joining us, friends, on the line of fire. Michael Brown, delighted to be with you today. The number to call, 866-348-7884. That's 866-34-TRUTH. I wrote an article this morning, and I, I was reflecting on the Kavanaugh hearings. I was reflecting on the larger spiritual warfare going on in America right now. And if you say, what do you mean by spiritual warfare? I, I mean the battle taking place in the spiritual world, the battle that Paul articulates in Ephesians 6, talking about demonic powers that have been here actively working since the fall of man, talking about their organized strategy, talking about our authority over them in Jesus. This is something ongoing that every age, every generation has to deal with. And sometimes things rage more intensely. Sometimes the battles are more intense. And in a little while, I've asked a friend to call in, a real woman of prayer, who was in D.C. during the Kavanaugh hearings, who had some really striking observations about the spiritual warfare going on and the real battle that's taking place. This is not Democrat versus Republican. This is not conservative versus liberal. This is Satan versus the things of God. All right. And, and that cuts across each party and that cuts across conservatives, liberal and liberal. That cuts across all aspects of the media. All right. So I'm saying the sides are light versus darkness. And we need to be on the side of light wherever that takes us. But in the midst of this, I don't want to fo- uh, focus on the devil. I want to focus on the enemy. I don't want to focus on negativity. I want to focus on what God is doing in the midst of these things, because he's not silent and he's not absent. He's not off sleeping somewhere. He's active and he's at work. What might he be doing in the midst of these hearings? What larger things may he be up to? So we'll talk about that. And then at the bottom of the hour, we're going to be joined by astronomer Hugh Ross. Now, he's been on with us many times to talk about science and the Bible. But he's got a new book out called Always Be Ready, A Call to Adventurous Faith. So we're going to have a discussion today about this book, about adventurous faith. And when I was sent the book and Dr. Ross wrote this, are you kidding? Well, great. Let's do it. Because he's he is a thinker. He's clear headed. He's logical. You wouldn't think he'd write a book like this, but obviously this is who he is as well. So we'll. We'll talk about that. And if you have a call or question for me, anything relevant to the line of fire, phone lines are open as well, 866-348-7884. So here's what I believe and understand about God's sovereignty. When we speak about his sovereignty, we speak about him as the king, him as the ruler and creator of all, acting on his own will, acting at his own desire, 
acting at his discretion, intervening wherever, however he sees fit. All right. Some people, when they think of God's sovereignty, to them, that means that he orchestrates everything that happens in the world. Others who think of his sovereignty, think of him always being like a million steps ahead. There are different ways of approaching it because the Bible doesn't use this precise term. It's a matter of how we ourselves define it when we're discussing it. What do we mean by God's sovereignty? But I can tell you this, God is at work in the midst of human affairs. They are not simply happening in a random way, meaning even if people are sinning, even if people are rebelling, even if people are rejecting the will of God, even if people are seeking to do their own thing and want nothing to do with the Creator, God still is accomplishing His will in the midst of it. No, I don't believe that everything that happens is ordained by God. There are many things God grieves over, many things God expresses. I don't like this. I don't like the way it is, but He gave us freedom to make certain choices. But in the midst of it, he's carrying out his plan. In the midst of this, he is orchestrating his will. So let me just give you a few thoughts in terms of some of the things happening today. This is from my latest article on the sovereignty of God and the Brett Kavanaugh hearings. So one is that the hearings have unleashed a torrent of demonic hatred. If, if you didn't know the resistance to Roe v. Wade, if you didn't know the resistance to certain conservative principles, you know it now. I mean, in an outrageous, overwhelming way. Secondly, the hearings have revealed just how far the Democrats will go to defame and destroy a political opponent. In other words, what's happening through these hearings? Is there something more that's going on? Now, the Republicans have their shortcomings and they're guilty of various things, but I don't know them to have this history on this level of doing whatever it takes to defame and destroy someone. And uh, Jonathan Hinderaker on the power, I don't know if I pronounced his name correctly, on Powerline blog, someone sent me this link. I wasn't familiar with the site. I think that Judge Kavanaugh's pristine reputation, this is before the hearings, is one reason why the Democrats, scroll down here, uh, one reason why the Democrats have unleashed against him a smear campaign unparalleled in American history. This is the message that they're trying to send. If we can do this to the Boy Scout Brett Kavanaugh, we can do it to anyone. Are you thinking of serving in a Republican administration or in accepting an appointment to the federal judiciary from a Republican president? Think twice and then think again. Then third, the hearings have not only further heightened our awareness of the Me Too movement, but they've also helped birth the falsely accused movement. And with that, as this is something I am addressing, I, I want to go right to the phones based on the description on my screen. This is something we want to hear. Uh, Robert in Florida, welcome to the line of fire. Uh, hi, Dr. Brown. How are you? Doing well. I uh, need you to speak right into the, the phone there so I can hear you clearly. Uh, what's up, sir? Got it. Um, no, it's just I, I turned on Facebook, uh, got a notification that you were you were speaking and Honestly, just today, uh, I'm not going to try to give as little information as possible yeah, for, yeah. for privacy purposes, um, but uh, someone very close to me was uh, falsely accused in a Christian school of, of rape 30 days um, <clears throat> Excuse me. after it happened. Uh, this was only a couple days ago. The alleged event took place 30 days ago, and we just uh, got... You know, and and the person who, who accused uh, this person that's very close to me called the police 30 days later, 
and they came, did an investigation, uh, talked to uh, talked to this person, uh, this person close to me. The police deemed it to be utterly nonsense, and yet the school still uh, deemed it fit to to kick him out. And there's an unbelievable social media presence saying the most terrible thing about uh, about this person. And it's 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 just a crazy situation with it coinciding directly with this the Kavanaugh trial. Yeah, it just I, seems... yeah. I'm I'm sorry to hear this. You know, look, I, I've written about this, and and I want to emphasize it again. We need to hear from from victims of sexual assault and sexual abuse. We need to hear from them. They their voices need to be respected. They can't be immediately looked at as, well, you're just lying or why are you doing this? And, you know, you think of a woman that's been raped and then has to sit in a courtroom and, and in front of strangers and recount what happened and look at her rapist. It's terribly difficult. And, and I can't imagine how difficult. So these are things that we need to be much more sensitive to in our society. And in that sense, the Me Too movement has been very important, but it's, it's also been largely hijacked or hijacked in part by radical feminists and others. It's been hijacked by an anti-patriarchal movement, anti-male movement. And then it's brought to our attention the falsely accused. Now, we don't know with the Kavanaugh hearings who's telling the truth and who's not. God knows those details. But we know that there are plenty of men who've been accused, falsely accused, of sexual assault and things like that, and, and now they're kind of damned just because they've been accused. That that's what things have come to. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry to hear this has happened, especially with police saying this is nothing whatsoever. Uh, what What's happened to this individual that's close to you? What, what's going on in his life right now? How's he doing? Um, well, not terrific. I, I probably should. What, what made this so surprising was was actually a male who made the, the accusation against uh this uh this person close to me who's also a man got it and uh and so it was just in a in a in a christian school to see it so yeah you know any idea of biblical justice just thrown out the window yeah and and robert you know what what can i understand is that there's a tremendous desire in a christian school in particular to have a safe environment there's a tremendous desire to immediately the moment there's an accusation, jump on it to protect and cover everyone involved. If you can't be safe in a Christian school, where are you going to be safe? However, there's also due process. So, uh, Robert, tell this person close to you to hang in there. And if they really lean on the Lord and their life is right with God, God will fight for them. And, and God will ultimately exonerate them. And what seems hopeless right now, he can turn around and, and bring blessing out of that. And uh, we just pray for God's best for everyone involved. Hey, thank you for the call. Yeah, I, I thought it was important, friends, that I, I jump in and take that call for these very reasons to say, yes, it's not just the Me Too movement. It's also the falsely accused movement. And then uh, number four, in terms of larger pictures that I see here in the Kavanaugh hearings, the hearings may just provide enough pushback to the expected midterm losses to the president for the president that the blue wave will not materialize and the president Trump can continue carrying forward a good agenda, things that are important for us that are for the good of the nation. Again, it's not Democrats versus Republicans, but on key issues of abortion and life and liberty and things like that, it's Democrats versus Republicans, sad to say. 
Then fifth, the, the hearings have helped to awaken Christian conservatives around the country. People realize, again, whether Brett Kavanaugh is guilty of any charges or not. I don't think he is, but whether he's guilty of any charges or not, the attack against him is one that Christian conservatives can expect in general. And then sixth, the hearings will better ensure that we have God's best choice for the Supreme Court. I'd like to see Justice Kavanaugh confirmed, but what if God has a larger plan than that? What if he wasn't God's first choice? What if Amy Barrett was God's first choice? So by Justice Kavanaugh not being confirmed, it paves the way for her being confirmed. You say, yeah, but what about the individuals? Well, whoever's been hurt, whoever's been lied about, whoever's made mistakes, if they'll really lean on the Lord, their Redeemer, he can turn around that which is meant for evil and use it for good. All right, we'll be right back. It's the Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get into the Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. All right, so friends, I want to say again, I'm not looking at this at party lines, Democrat versus Republican. I'm not looking at this as never Trump, always Trump. I'm looking at this in terms of God's best purposes for America. I'm looking at this in terms of the battle between light and darkness. I don't put my trust in a person. I don't put my trust in a party. I put my trust in the Lord. Hence the title of my book, Donald Trump is not my savior. He didn't die for my sins. He doesn't get my life, but he got my vote. He gets my support. Politics is not the gospel, yet politics and the gospel often intersect. So I want to bring on a friend, a woman of prayer. Don't want to mention her name, not that you would know her name nationally, but just because she's kind of in the, the crosshairs of some of the prayer battle in D.C. these days. I just wanted to be able to talk freely about what's going on. Hey, welcome to the Line of Fire. Thank you. How are you doing? Doing, doing just great. All right, tell me first just about your, your normal habit of prayer. Do you, do you pray a lot for the government, things relating to the government? Is that one of the burdens God's given you? Yes. For sure. Um, personally, that is a big thing for me. And then I have two prayer groups I'm involved in, and, and pretty much that's the main focus, is our government, our nation, our courts, that sort of thing. And, and what kind of prayers do you pray? Do you pray partisan political prayers? How, how do you work this out? <laughs> Definitely not. Um, I'm an independent and have voted both ways. Uh, no, we're, we're praying just the Bible. You know, your kingdom come, your will be done. But we're praying for righteous judges. We're praying for, you know, righteousness, holiness, justice, purity in our nation. Uh, you know, the whole thing about if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, I will hear from heaven. And, you know, all of that. Just we want God's will to be done. We want this nation to be a nation where God is glorified. As our forefathers said, you know, no king but Jesus. And that's what we pray and decree. All right, so when you were in D.C. recently for Judge Kavanaugh hearings, mm -hmm. uh, what was different about the praying this time, the atmosphere this time? Paint a picture for our folks. Okay, I'll try to do that. Um, you know, I've, I've been up there quite a bit, and it's definitely a bigger battle, you know, different places, different states. It's, you know, you, you can feel a different atmosphere. The amount of 
share evil and witchcraft in the atmosphere was more than I have ever encountered in my entire life in any country I've ever been in. Um, the protesters, who are all, I'm sure, wonderful people. I know God has a plan and a purpose for each and every one of them. But they are so manipulated by a spirit of witchcraft, by false accusation. Even one of my friends, uh, protesters, accused her of assaulting them. Um, I mean, it is so tangible. You can feel it. You can almost smell it. It's very, very intense. And, you know, but God. And the word says that one can put a thousand to flight, two can put ten thousand to flight. So, you know, what five can do, ten can do. Imagine what a hundred of us can do. But it's it's tangible, and we need to take the territory. We need. I think people need to be praying from their homes. I think they can call a prayer group with a handful of friends. I think pastors can call a, a prayer meeting for their whole churches. I think some people just need to get on a bus, get in a car, get on a plane, and go there and walk around and just pray God's plans and purposes be established. Um, but it, it is it is a battle. I, honestly, to me, it felt like all-out war. Like I said, I've never encountered anything like that before. Mm. Yeah, and, and when you say, you know, you're sure the protesters are wonderful people, obviously you may have some real rotten apples there, but your thing is you have no personal animosity towards them, and and they are believing lies and, and acting on Correct. those lies. When, when, you, when, when you refer to witchcraft, battling witchcraft, some are familiar with a term like that. Some immediately think that, that there must be women there in, in black gowns and, and riding on broomsticks <laughs> and trying to curse people. What, what do you mean by that? What kind of spiritual battle do you describe as witchcraft? Well, it's, it's mostly something you can feel, although they are. They're not in black robes, although... Um, uh, you know, maybe some do that, I don't know, but they're, they're dressed just like me or you, and some of them go around and literally, just like we would, you know, maybe I would walk around and pray in tongues or, you know, pray something out loud or maybe, uh, you know, pray a, a psalm or something. Well, they're also out there, and they're, you know, they're chanting curses and hexes and vexes. Uh, they're really they're really doing that. I mean, they're actually, they're, they're chanting and, and trying to curse and call on satanic power. That, and then and then some of them are doing it quietly, but... Even if you don't see any of that yourself with your own eyes, you can feel it. If well, you know, we're all we all have different callings and we all have different gifts. So, you know, if you're sensitive to these things, you can feel it. Like for example, um, in the hearing room, I was in there praying, and basically, I, I I couldn't I couldn't say a prayer. The mind binding curses that were in that place, and all I could think of is if this is how I'm feeling. I cannot imagine what these senators are dealing with and what these other people in this room are dealing with. But, you know, I have a group of people and I'm texting and I'm like, start me off with a prayer. Send me a scripture to start off. Like, I cannot even think in this place. Mm -hmm. And I consider myself a powerful woman of God. But that was the type of atmosphere that was in there. And I needed help. I needed someone to help me take authority in that place and over the demonic because there is no king but Jesus, and he is Lord, and that's what he's given us. He's given us dominion. But we do need to answer the call and do that. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And when we talk about the swamp in Washington, it's, it's more of a swamp than we might realize. That That's why I don't put my trust in a political party or, or office. So uh, before you knew the Lord, I've, I've known you only as a believer, but before you knew the Lord, you were in the world like, like so many others, can you relate to some of the spirit of feminism 
or, or the, this some, some of the attitude that's behind some of the protests. We know there's an, an outright protest about Roe v. Wade. Any thought of Roe v. Wade being overturned sends shockwaves uh, through much of this community and the people fighting and protesting. But is there anything in you from before you knew the Lord where you can relate to where especially some of these ladies are coming from? I don't I don't know that relate would would be a good word for me. I would probably say no to that. I certainly have a lot of compassion. I understand the fear. Like some of these women truly are fearful that they're going to be in a situation where they're going to have to go in a back alley and have an abortion with a hanger. Mm-hmm. And this is a real fear. And this is not something that as believers we should be judgmental or don't be ridiculous, you know, whatever. This is where we have to have love and compassion and understand they have a different mindset. They, you know, it, it's just a different mindset. And they're being tormented and they're being egged on. And their whole, uh, they're, they're organized. They have people that are very organized. They're running. They're doing these groups. They're doing T-shirts. They're telling them exactly what to say, what to do. And they are preying on their emotions. Even with the accusations against um, Kavanaugh, and, and I'm sorry, there is such a spirit of false accusation all over this this nation, but specifically in Washington, D.C. But a lot of these women, I mean, they were careful. They were crying. They have been so traumatized in their lives, and they are projecting onto Brett Kavanaugh Mm. their assault, their rape, whatever was done to them. They're projecting it onto this man, and they want him to pay for what was done to him. And you can feel it's tangible. And you can't go and say, you know, to somebody, well, you know, this is not right, and look at the truth, and look at the facts, and all the witnesses are saying they're not witnesses, and they never saw anything. Well, they can't see any of that because they have been so egged on and stirred up, and it's pure emotion, and it's hitting in that very traumatic place that only Jesus can heal. And so no amount of words is going to do anything. No amount of facts is going to do anything. They need Jesus. Yeah, I mean, that that is such an important perspective to hold on to, because otherwise, you know, we're going to throw our arguments, and how can you not see this? And But there is the blinding of yeah. emotion, there is the blinding yeah. of spiritual deception, and when you don't know the Lord, it's it's almost impossible to really get to the root of the deception, and, and exactly the culture right. around you is just going to egg you on all the more. All right, so let's let's do this. We've got a couple minutes left. Give some guidance to folks that are listening, watching, and they, they want to pray, they want to make a difference, but they don't really know how to pray. You talked about praying for holiness and righteousness, praying for various things like this. So uh, how, just, just talk to our folks a minute and a half or so and explain how to pray. Give us some guidelines. What kind of things should we be praying for the nation right now? Ah, did we lose you there? Did we lose you? Whoa! Not sure what talk about. was that. Was that demonic? Was that uh, how? You could just check to see if our guest is still there. Uh, well, that that was weird, wasn't it? That was pretty odd. Asking just for some guidance and prayer, and then. Oh, okay, I'm not making a big thing out of it, but that was, a, that was a little different, wasn't it? Interview fine up until that moment, and then all we hear is weird noises. Ah, gone, she got cut off. Well, what a great message. What we need to hear is this is ultimately a spiritual battle for people's souls, for people's lives, for a nation. And again, it's not the Republicans, good guys, Democrats, bad guys, vice versa. 
or President Trump the savior, none of that, none of that. No, rather, this is ultimately a spiritual battle and we need to plant ourselves firmly on God's side, wherever that takes us. So our prayer, our prayer is God, your kingdom come to Washington, D.C. and to America. Lord, your will be done. Lord, bring about your best. Expose lies. Bring about justice. Bring about liberty. Bring about freedom. Bring about healing. Bring about restoration. Bring about revival. We can all, regardless of where we stand, if we're followers of Jesus, we can all unite on those points. Can we not? And then spray, oh God, have mercy. Have mercy on our land. We'll be right back with Dr. U. Ross. The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get into the Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks for joining us, friends, on the Line of Fire broadcast. This is Michael Brown. And over the years, when we have science issues that come up and things like that, one of our favorite guests to bring on is Dr. Hugh Ross, an astronomer, scientist, a believer in the Word of God in the authority and absolute inspiration of the Word of God. So I, I know Dr. Ross is one, when I ask a question, I'm going to get a precise, logical answer. A systematic, you know, to the trillionth of the billionth, to the tenth time of the millionth, all broken down like that in a way you can understand. So I was, I was really surprised to get a copy of his newest book with his wife, Kathy, a Call to Adventurous Faith. It's called Always Be Ready. And the book is A Call to Adventurous Faith. Get ready to experience an adventurous faith. I thought, isn't that fascinating? So as soon as I heard about it, I said, by all means, let's, let's bring Dr. Ross on. So Dr. Ross, welcome back to the Line of Fire. Well, thank you. <laughs> all right. So obviously, we know you a certain way. We know you a scientist and scholar, astronomer, a defender of the faith. But we don't know you necessarily as a man walking in adventurous faith with all kinds of exciting stories and, and, and a challenge to, to always be ready. So obviously that's, that's a part of you that's foundational to you that most of us don't know about. So, so tell us about Dr. Ross and Kathy Roth, the, the authors of this book. Who, who are you behind the scenes? Well, I am a scientist. I mean, it was my... Uh passion to pursue astronomy that convinced me there had to be a beginning for the universe. I began a two-year search for the beginner, and uh, mainly through a Gideon Bible, realized that the Christian explanation for the universe was correct. Uh, But in going through the Bible that thoroughly, I realized if I give my life to Jesus Christ, I'm committing myself to go public uh, with my commitment and faith in Jesus Christ. And I have a pretty good idea what that commitment would involve, some of the pushback I would get from my fellow students and professors. But I realized that is the Christian life. So when I signed my name on the back of the Gideon Bible, I knew I was committing myself to share my faith. And I focus mainly on people in my uh, disciplines of physics and astronomy, 
when I arrived at Caltech, I was able to lead uh, the, one of my atheist uh, colleagues to faith in Christ. It took a year, but he came to Christ. And it was another Christian astronomer at Caltech that said, Hugh, have you ever thought about sharing your faith with non-scientists? And I said, well, Dave, where do you find these non-scientists? And he said, walk off the Caltech campus. I'm sure you'll meet one or two. So I took him at his word, just talked to strangers on the street, and discovered they were far more receptive to the scientific evidences for the Christian faith than my colleagues at Caltech. And that led me to getting involved in a church that's in between Caltech and the Jet Propulsion Laboratory. And seven months later, they put me on the pastoral staff uh, to lead their evangelism efforts. And I've been doing that ever since in that church, basically training people, lay people, how to use the Book of Nature to bring people to the Book of Scripture and bring them to faith in Jesus Christ. Now, did you have to overcome any type of fear, concern, just walking out and beginning to talk to total strangers? Did it come totally naturally for you, or, or was there something to overcome? It was something I had to overcome. I mean, as I re, you know, portray in the book, I'm on the autistic spectrum, so engaging people is something that's very uncomfortable for me. But it was a command. And I said, look, God's commanded everybody who's a follower to be involved in this ministry of uh, sharing their faith and bringing people to Christ. So I said, uh, it doesn't feel comfortable. I know I'm not gifted for this, but I'm going to do it anyway. And what I discovered is the Holy Spirit is there to back up people who have that commitment. I mean, I tell a story in the book of my first uh, witnessing encounter. It was with my physics lab partner. And he says, Hugh, I can tell by looking at you, you want to talk, but please let me talk. I've been going through some struggles in my life. I need to talk to somebody about God. Do you know anybody in this campus that knows anything about God? <laughs> so we had a four-hour conversation, but that conversation showed me, if you commit yourself to share the reasons for your hope in Jesus Christ and can deliver those reasons with gentleness and respect, God will open opportunities for you. So I discovered what I was worried about, what I was panicked about, was something not to worry about at all. I'm not alone. The Holy Spirit's with me, and the Holy Spirit is the one that provides the opportunities. And as you mentioned, Reasons, folks, the website to visit reasons.org. Reasons to believe, that's reasons.org. And if you are a skeptic, great place to go. If you're a new believer in Jesus, great place to go. If you're a scientist, great place to go. If you're a teacher of the Bible, great place to go. You'll find resources for young people as well, reasons.org. So, Dr. Ross, how does Kathy tie in with you in terms of writing this book together? Well, she was the one, I mean, she met me when I was at Caltech, and she quickly recognized that, you know, I had developed really good reasons uh, for the Christian faith, but I had some issues with delivery. Mm. And she said, you know, people will pay attention to you if you actually look at them once in a while, because she noticed I would just stare at the ground. I mean, when you're on the spectrum, <laughs> that's kind of what you do. So she trained me, basically, how to engage people, and I found I was being much more effective in the sharing my faith. And she was, unlike me, she was raised in a Christian home, so she realized she needed to get out of that cocoon. And so uh, we began to partner and, uh, you know, we refer to her as our translator. She takes the stuff her scientists produce and makes it accessible to people who are not scientists. And she helped me 
take the reasons that I had developed and make them more broadly accessible. And, and why do you refer to this as, as adventure or adventurous? Obviously, there are challenges and difficulties when we share the gospel, but, but why is this such an adventure that we're all called to? Well, what we see in 1 Peter 3.15, always be ready. That's where we got the book title from. Always be ready to share your reasons for your hope in Christ with gentleness, respect, and a clear conscience. And it's been my experience, and I think I can back it up with a thorough study of the book of Acts, that anyone who does that will see God supernaturally bringing people to you who are prepared to hear and respond to those good reasons. And the first time you see these miraculous encounters, you might think it's just a coincidence. When you see it happening more than a hundred times, you realize this is the handiwork of God. And basically, I relate stories in the book and my own witnessing experience and the experience of others, basically telling people the book of Acts is not done. God is still performing miracles to take the good news of salvation to all the people, groups of the world. And so, and my whole point is, I think we as Christians, we need those experiences. Seeing God perform miracles on a regular basis in your life is a great way to strengthen your own faith and it's a great way to build uh, the Christian demeanor and character that God wants to see happen in all of us. And, and what you're telling us, then, is that science and faith, intellect and faith, academics and faith, as long as things are based on truth, they go hand in hand. You can be a man of science and a man of faith. You can be a woman of the Spirit and, and a woman of academics. As long as what we believe is true and what we're holding to is true, they go hand in hand. Well, they do. I mean, the, what, what attracted me about the Bible, excuse me, is a query stated that God has given us two books, the book of nature and the book of Scripture, and that both books are utterly trustworthy and reliable. As I said earlier, it was my science that brought me to faith in Christ, and what I recognize is a lot of people uh, don't realize that science is the ally of the Christian faith. They think it's the enemy. And so that gives me all kinds of opportunities to share with people, look, the latest and best science gives us more reasons to believe, not fewer reasons to believe. In fact, it gives us more reasons to believe on a daily basis. Mm. And so just sharing that with people. And I find that people, just like in the Book of Acts, they like to talk about the latest stuff. So often I engage people by saying, you know, are you aware that this was discovered 48 hours ago? And, you know, they're interested, and I show them how that provides more evidence for the Christian faith and opens up a conversation. And, and by the way, folks, for those of us who are not scientists, if you go to reasons.org, all the updated information gets published on a daily basis. So you've got plenty of updated info there. Could you give me an example, not just from decades ago, but in recent years of, of a divine appointment of a supernatural encounter when you were sharing the gospel? Well, I remember being in an airport, and, uh, you know, my flight got delayed, it got delayed, it got delayed, and finally they called my number, and I knew I had a really cheap ticket, so I was worried I was going to get bumped. And basically what they told me at the counter, look, there's a family, they need to sit together, we know you're traveling alone, can we move you to a different seat? I said, sure, you can put me on any seat you want. So they handed me a new ticket, and I looked at it, it was 2B. I said, wow, I'm in first class. 
Uh, you know, I don't fly first class, but I got to fly first class that day. And as I sat down, uh, this gentleman sat down in 2A, and he immediately introduced himself. He said, I'm from Germany. I'm a quantum physicist. I'm an atheist and a skeptic. Who are you? <laughs> oh, and I come said, on. well, I'm not from Germany. I'm from Canada. I'm not a quantum physicist. I'm an astrophysicist. I'm not a skeptic and an atheist. I'm a Christian. And he said, this is going to be a really interesting flight. Amazing. Can I ask you some questions? He asked me eight questions. And I, as I was answering his questions, I noticed the people seated behind me were also listening in. And after I answered his eight questions, he said, you have to tell me, why do you have such well-prepared answers to my eight questions about the universe? And I said, well, your eight questions are all chapter titles in a book I wrote. And he said, I don't believe you. I had a copy of that book in my briefcase. It was the only book I had in my briefcase. I pulled it out. He looked at the table of contents and says, you're right. There are my eight questions. And as we walked the baggage claim, he said, okay, the probability this conversation would have happened today is more remote than one chance in two billion. I don't think what happened today was an accident. I don't think so either, because, you know, when I fly in airplanes, half the conversations I have are with scientists who have PhDs and theologians who have doctorates in theology. And you and I both know that makes up less than 1% of the U.S. population. <laughs> yeah. But that's 50% of my conversations. Amazing. Do you think God's engineering the encounters? Yeah, I think I, so. I, I... I, I would say so. All right, we've got a few more minutes with Dr. Hugh Ross. Reminds me of a story I heard with Dave Hunt. I'll, I'll come back and start there. The new book, Always Be Ready. What a story. What a story. It's The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Get into the line of fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks, friends, for joining us on today's broadcast. My guest, Dr. Hugh Ross, his new book with his wife, Kathy, Always Be Ready, A Call to Adventurous Faith. The website is reasons.org. It is the Reasons to Believe website to find a wealth of wonderfully edifying scientific and biblical and theological information there, reasons.org. And uh, speaking with Dr. Ross about divine appointments, you know, I, I fly constantly as well. So whenever my seat gets changed or someone, there's a shift and another shift and another shift, that always gets my attention. You know, maybe something's going on here. But it reminds me of, of Dave Hunt, late Dave Hunt, saying that, that one of his great proofs for the existence of God was whatever book he was working on, and he wrote on all kinds of different subjects, that basically every flight during the season of working on that book, he'd end up sitting next to a specialist in that area. So, um, but your story with the table of contents, look, I'm not a statistician, but one in two billion seems actually low. I think it's a lot higher than that. Well, I can tell you another one. It's got nothing to do with science, but <clears throat> I was with a brand new Christian, and we were going door to door, and uh, 19 doors, nobody answered the door. Went to this one piece of property, it was already dark, and uh, went through the gate, and there was a big German shepherd dog there. 
and it was a, turned out to be a five-acre estate. That dog showed us the way to the front door. We get to the front door. Uh, the man says, how did you get here? And I says, well, your dog showed us the way. He says, didn't you see the sign on the gate? I said, we didn't see any sign. It says, warns everybody about, about our trained attack dog. Says this dog is trained to bark loudly at anybody who comes near the gate. If anyone opens the gate, the dog is trained to attack and to disable the person. And then he looked at us and said, you two aren't Christians, are you? And I said, yes. I said, why do you ask? He says, because my wife and I and her three children have been praying for the past hour that God would send us Christians to show us how we could become Christians. And what happened to my dog is proof that God sent you. Please come in. All five prayed to receive Christ that day. <clears throat> then he showed me how well trained the dog was. And he says, somebody blinded you to the sign, and somebody took over the dog. And went out to look to the gate. That sign was as clear as day. It was even lit up. And uh, the young man who was with me was a new Christian. He said, this is just like the book of Acts. God blinded our eyes to the sign, and God took control of that dog to answer the prayers of this man and his wife and his three children. Remarkable. And friends, lest you were using the excuse, well, I'm not a scientist. You don't need to be a scientist to do that. You just need to be willing to do it. Dr. Ross, do you, do you have a lot of stories like this in your book? I have a lot of stories like this, not just from me personally, but from many other people, including skeptics, who are skeptical that God works in this way. You know, as a pastor, my goal is to lift the percentage of people who regularly attend the church who share their faith with adults from 10% to above 50%. And I wrote the book making the point, this is way too much fun. You need to get involved. And by the way, for the next month, if you go to reasons.org slash Ross, you'll get a free chapter from the book, a chapter that talks about all the airplane stories. Well, all right, friends, reasons.org slash Ross. Get your chapter today. We'll post that on social media for folks as well. Hey, one, one last question. If, and, and by the way, from the heart, hearing these stories is a, an encouragement to me to step out even more because I, I love to share the gospel but this is an encouragement for me that, that there's a lot more adventure out there and a lot more people to reach if we'll, if we'll just be obedient and take that step. Um, what would you say is the number one reason that more people are, or so many people are reluctant to share their faith? I think they're fearful of getting a hostile response or being embarrassed or not having uh, an answer to the questions that people are asking. And, you know, what I write in the book is, prepare some good reasons. I mean, people ask me, why did you wait so long to write the book? Well, I spent 30 years writing books where I actually show the good reasons. And the point I make in the book is, ask questions. Find out what kind of person you're talking to. Find out what their issues are. And I always leave people with a resource when I end a conversation. But I leave them with a resource that targets the very issue they raise. So I don't have generic stuff in my briefcase. I have things that are designed to reach different people with different issues. And people really appreciate that because they know you've actually thought about them as a person, you care about them, and I let them know, look, after you read this or watch this, uh, feel free to contact me. And if I don't have answers, I know people who do have answers. I don't have to know everything. 
Yeah, and that's important for all of us to remember. Just know where to point people. Jay Warner Wallace, one of the top apologists today, enthusiastically endorses the book, as does Dr. Richard Land, well-known Southern Baptist leader, president of Southern Evangelical Seminary. The foreword to the book is written by my dear friend and colleague, Dr. Craig Keener. So you've got uh, a lot of enthusiasm in terms of folks reading the book, excited about it. And I, I do interviews on a pretty regular basis with authors of books, and, and I really enjoy the interviews. I always learn from them, and hopefully we get folks to know about the books. But this is one of these I'm thinking, I've got to take this on the plane with me to read on my flight to London. It, it, it gets my attention. And just hearing some of these stories, it's faith building. So thank you for writing this, and may God bless it to, to cause an explosion in evangelism in America and beyond. You're welcome. Thank you. God bless you. All right, friends, Dr. Hugh Ross, again, again, the book, Always Be Ready, A Call to Adventurous Faith. Was that, those two stories, are those cool or what? I just got the book in, so I wasn't able to go through it before the interview. But uh, were those cool stories? Does that edify you, encourage you, or what? So thank you, Dr. Ross. All right, I want to change topics here. And I... I saw this clip last night. I thought, I have to play this. I have to play this for you. We've talked a lot about praying for the nation, praying for the president, praying for Congress, praying for Supreme Court. We talk about looking for God's purposes in the midst of things. This is nothing profound, but I, I just got a kick out of it. And, and I want to make a comment afterwards. So this is President Trump. He's being asked questions by a CNN reporter whom at the end he pushes away, he's kind of had it for whatever reason. But I want you to hear his comments about drinking, not about Justice Kavanaugh so much, but about Donald Trump. And, and then, I'll, then I'll tell you why I'm playing this clip for you. All right, so let's, let's give it a listen. So if he did lie about his drinking, does that mean you'll pull his... I don't think he did. Okay. I, uh, look, here's, here's what... I'm just saying, I'm not a drinker. I can honestly say I never had a beer in my life, okay? Right. It's one of my... Only good traits. I don't drink. Whenever they're looking for something good, I say, I never had a glass of alcohol. I've never had alcohol. I've just, you know, for whatever reason. Can you imagine if I had? What a mess I'd be. Would I be the, I'd be the world's worst. But I never drank. I never drank, okay? But I can tell you, I watched that hearing. And I watched a man saying that he did have difficulty as a young man with drink. The one question I didn't ask is, how about the last 20 years? Have you had difficulty the last 20 years? Because nobody said anything bad about him in many, many years. They go back to high school. You know, I graduated from high school, and, and I, I, while I did not drink, I saw a lot of people drinking. They'd drink beer, and they'd go crazy, and, you know, they were in high school. They were 16, 17 years old, and I saw a lot of it. Does that mean that they can't do something that they want to do with their life? So, it's a very tough thing. I, I really believe that he was very strong on the fact that he drank a lot. And so I don't know where there'd be big discrepancy. Okay, so yes, go ahead, so please. Just to wrap please. up, can you promise you know to what? release you've really had enough. report? Hey, you've had enough. Go ahead, please. Okay, so, right, so why did I play that? Uh, on the one hand, it's, it's very true. A lot of us did idiotic things in our high school days. If that's not who we have been ever since, that shouldn't disqualify us. If we broke the law and paid for our crimes... If we did stupid things, but that's not who we are and haven't been for decades, no, of course not. That shouldn't disqualify you. You used to party or drink or sleep around or 
getting fights when you were in high school and then you haven't touched any of those things or done any of those things in the last 20 or 30 or 40 years have been quite the, the opposite of that. Well, obviously that shouldn't be held against you. Now, again, the Justice Kavanaugh issues, the question would be, okay, is he lying about things today and denying things today that he did back then? I don't think that's the case, but let, let the truth come to light. But here's why I played that clip for you. I believe that Donald Trump, in the midst of that, the self-effacing Donald Trump, the one saying, can you imagine if I drank, I'd be the worst of the worst? Because when you drink, you get rid of a lot of inhibitions and you, you say a lot of things you wouldn't normally say. Who, who could, could you imagine that? As, as unrestrained as the president could be when he wants to let things out via Twitter or other ways, that's part of who he is. And he's loved and he's hated for it. I understand that. And I often cringe over some things. But, but, drunk? Who knows what would be said? Oh, maybe be the opposite. Maybe say, I don't really mean those things. I just say them. But either way, when he's self-effacing, when he says one of his only good traits was that he never drank, I think that's the kind of person that a lot of people on the fence could get behind. I think that's the kind of person that's more likable that recognizes, yeah, I, I can be a jerk sometimes. Yeah, I can, my ego and other things. Yeah, I, I got some issues. It's true. Yeah. Uh, I, I believe that's the kind of person that would be less divisive. The haters are going to hate anyway. The people that oppose are going to oppose. But the ones that would like to get behind him, I think if he acted like that more, the more people would. And then, of course, back to the cutting off the reporter and the whole bit. But you get my point. All right, back with you tomorrow.